Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. To the Batmobile. Atomic batteries to power. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dark Knight News Podcast. My name is Steve. I am one of your hosts here today, and with me, as always, in a very non-confusing fashion, is Steve. How are you today, Steve? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello, and welcome to the show. We would like to introduce you to the numero uno, the Bruce Wayne of the DarkKnightNews.com. We would like to introduce you to our boss, Damien. How are you today, buddy? Shucks, that was a uh, fantastic all the way from uh, from Melbourne, Australia, on your side of the world. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It's a, a pleasure to be on. And as normal, we are doing a little bit of time travel. I'm three hours behind Damien. I think I'm, what is it, eight, eight hours, hours in, front of, yeah. in front of, so I'm slap bang in the middle of this time vortex. Um, but the yep. thing that brings us together is our mutual love for the Dark Knight is for Batman. Now, you can find all three of us on a regular basis at darknightnews.com. This is your number one source for Batman news. It is updated daily. It is updated with news. It is updated with reviews. It is updated with previews. It is updated with absolutely anything that you can dream of that is Batman-related. So right after you've listened to us or while you're listening to us, head over to darknightnews.com and check out all of the fantastic stuff which we've got available for you there. Now... You'll be so glad you did. And check out our sister website, which is uh, DC dccomicnews.com. Is that... Is that, am I getting that right? DCComicsNews.com. That is absolutely correct. Fantastic. I was actually winging that one, so I'm 100% <laughs> glad that I got that right. So that was the make or break. That was the one which was going to get me fired if I didn't get that 100% right. So between us and DCComicNews.com, you can find out absolutely anything you need to about Batman and the DC Universe. Um, now, speaking of news, fine gentlemen, Steve, Damien, does anyone have any news? Well, I think from a news perspective, you can, we can kind of couple news and rumours with the, the fact that we all think that Ben Affleck's coming towards the end of his uh, regime as Bruce Wayne slash the Dark Knight, and there's been various rumours being reported about who's going to take over the role, and it's I guess it's not brand new news. We've been talking about this for, for a little while now as a, as a pop culture industry, but... Um, the, the, the flavour of the month seems to be Jake Gyllenhaal as, as being the bat, being being Bruce Wayne. What do we think about that, gentlemen? I think we're under the five-minute mark, and I've already been triggered. <laughs> <laughs> this is the bone of contention that is the running thread throughout this podcast. Poor old Steve. I, I still love you, brother. Seriously, I, I'm with you, mate. I feel your pain. <laughs> I honestly think that there's a, there's a secret chat room on Dark Knight News where it's just something is thrown out to whoever the guest is, and they go, make sure you mention Jake Gyllenhaal. You'll have a hell of a time. I didn't say Damien, please back me up. I did not say a word to you, did I? He's just been listening to the podcast like this a real um, proper journalist would do. He's been uh, I will admit... I, it's, all, it's all organic. I will... Um, <laughs> I'll back you up on this one, uh, Damien. This is something that we haven't discussed in a huge way on the podcast yet, because like you said, right now, it, it's kind of rumour with a little bit of news sprinkled in it. Absolutely. 
Um, but it does seem to be leaning towards um, the fact that we... I would give it a 60-40 right now that we won't be seeing Ben Affleck again. Oh, uh, look, I think it's... We'll see him one more time, I think. And in what, in what sense do we think we'll see him? I mean, because if, if you look at the cinematic universe... Is he not still committed to the Matt Reeves movie? That's the big one which people are talking about, though, is that we won't be seeing him in Matt Reeves. The big talk at the moment is it was Flashpoint, and then the last thing which I've heard is there's speculation that Suicide Squad 2 will be the last time that we'll see Batfleck. Which would make sense because he was in the first one. Now, we've spoken about the whole Flashpoint thing before in the past, and I think Flashpoint is going to be a huge misstep for the DC Universe in the sense that the, the, the... everyday common average person going into a comic book movie, being presented with Flashpoint, that is going to be a mind-bender, and not in a good way. Well, the TV series handled it pretty well because they're a TV series and they had 20 episodes to play with. Uh, A two, three-hour movie, I I totally agree, is not the right forum to do a universe-bending space opera uh, multiverse reset, it's not on. Uh, let me ask you this, Damien. Do you reckon if the Batman is a standalone film, still set within the confines of the, the DC cinematic universe, is what they're, what they're calling it, do you think that they could go kind of a bit of a brave route? Do you think that they could actually do this and not try and make some explanation for it? I mean, we went from Batman Returns to Batman Forever with a different Batman, and there was no real great issue with it as far as the screen goes. Do you think that, that it's possible that Warner Brothers may just go that route and just say, bang, here's your new Batman, like they do with the James Bond? Bang, here's your new James Bond. I'd, I'd be incredibly disappointed if, if Warner Brothers did that. There's there's a lot of executives in high positions. They get paid a lot of money to make decisions at Warner Brothers, and if they just threw their hands in the air in the boardroom and said, you know what, we're just going to do a reboot from a character perspective and everyone's going to be okay with it, I'd be incredibly disappointed. For me, there needs to be a platform between the current DCEU and then moving to a new Batman. So the only thing I can think uh, off the top of my head is that Flashpoint will be that that platform that takes us down an alternate path. Maybe Affleck is, is the aging Batman in Flashpoint. Something happens with um, with time and we go backwards to a younger Batman, which is Jake Gyllenhaal, and there's a bit of a, a minor reset in the in the DC universe. Otherwise, they created a precedent with Batman versus Superman, with an aging Batman that's been fighting crime for 20 years, and he's lost, he's lost Robin. He's had his dealings with the Penguin, with Joker, and everything else. Uh, you, uh, you can't just dismiss all that. They created... They created that universe. Now, to just be done with all that from a character perspective, I, I think I'm I'm such a huge Batman fan. I'm very passionate about that character. So I just I can't see how they can pivot without creating a platform to jump over to, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. But we did do that. Now, I won't say it was with spectacular success, but every single character from from Batman Forever, uh, every single actor, I should say, carried over to Batman and Robin, except for Val Kilmer. And it was still set within the, the same universe. Fair enough, it was a complete and total, like, schmozzle and basically killed the franchise. But there is a precedent, like you said, with Batman and Robin for all that. There is an off-screen precedent for doing this as well. The trouble is, though, we've got that, like Damien said, which I actually didn't really think about in depth before, 
the Batman with 20 years experience, how suddenly, I mean, recasting an act there, fair enough, it's been done a, a million times in Bond, uh, Doctor Who, what have you, Tarzan, whatever else. But it's always the same character at the same point in his life. Having a Batman who's now suddenly 10, 15 years younger has to be done in a clever way. But is Flashpoint a step too far for your average audience? For us comic heads and, and people who are brought up with this kind of stuff, yeah. But for the general audience who, mm, don't know, that's the trick. Well, just may- maybe the Batman solo film that Matt Reeves will, will write, maybe that's the cut. Maybe that's going to be a fresh a fresh start unless they take the, the Batman universe within itself and separate it off into its own uh, mini universe with a series of films. I, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to lose with that Batman universe, with an ageing Batman that's been there, done that. He's leading the Justice League now. How do you pivot away from that? And with that as well, the original DCEU plan was to have two Justice League films. Um, I haven't seen any recent news to say that they've pivoted away from that. There's mention of Darkseid in in Justice League. Darkseid has to pop up somewhere. So if they make a second Justice League movie down the track, are we going to see Jake Gyllenhaal as Batman in that film? um... The other thing they're talking about is maybe Jake's coming in as the second Batman, as Dick Grayson, but I think the way around it would be a Rush Al Ghul film. Batman dies and is not just rejuvenated by Lazarus Pit. So it's the same guy with the same, same experience, but a decade younger. How they're going to write that into his friends and family and whatever else is going to be the trick, but what other way is there to do it? Now, one of the few few things I really did enjoy about Batman vs. Superman is, is what Damien's brought up. I really did enjoy the idea of a jaded yeah. Batman. He'd been doing it for 20-odd years because there was really no other way to kind of um, get this instant hate that he had for, for Superman. He's an, he's an alien threat, all of this destruction in Metropolis. They did a fantastic way of segueing that in. The beginning of Batman vs. Superman with Bruce Wayne in Metropolis was brilliant. The setup for that was was fantastic, and the fact that it then led into the rest of that film, I think, is what what disappointed me. There was so much thought put into how do we tie this film into Man of Steel, and then the the rest of it was kind of there was no regard with how they were going to tie it in with this DC universe they were trying to set up. Yep, you know there was um, so many missteps with that film, but that beginning bit was brilliant. It showed that there was a little bit of thought put into it. Now, my worry is that the the amount of thought that people are trying to put into how do we change this Batman into another Batman, why don't they just let it flow? We've done it, like you mentioned, Steve, we've done it with Doctor Who's. We're, I mean, fair enough, Batman's not a regeneration thing, but we've done it with Doctor Who's, we've done it with James Bond's, we've done it with with Superman. Brandon Routh was a new Superman without even, like, without any explanation. He was... He was Christopher Reeve Superman. And what's the reason why we think Ben Affleck is is heading towards the end of his uh, his path as as Batman slash Bruce Wayne? I wonder whether it's it's him that wants out or whether it's Warner Brothers that actually wants to change tact. It's it's the internet, mate. It's like any time that there's a delay with something. I mean, he was supposed to be starring in and directing and writing Batman. Then he jumps out of one part of it, and people go, "Geez, everything must be wrong." He jumps out of the directing chair. Everyone goes, oh, well, he doesn't want to act in it anymore. 
And surely it must just be a pain in the ass to be an actor or to be involved in a comic book movie nowadays. I mean, how much scrutiny does every single comic book movie get nowadays? Before it's even hit the screen, it just had to be announced. And there's people all over. They've made his life a nightmare. Yeah. They've made his life as soon as he was announced. A, the amount of negativity and hate that was thrown at him before he even put the mask on was ridiculous and then while they were making the film any other film he was making any interview he was doing they were just talking to him about batman and he was getting sick of the part if you look at him in any interview leading up to batman versus superman he was sick of the role of batman before he'd even done it so yeah it's audience backlash um it's audience way too much vocal internet interference and the studios because batman versus superman was supposed to come after Man of Steel 2. But again, Warner Brothers, in their infinite lack of wisdom, decided, no, no, we've got to catch up with Marvel. Let's interfere as much as we can and launch this Batman vs. Superman movie out with any real forethought. As far as I can tell from our, our interactions that we've had, Damo, you, you're a fan of the Ben Affleck Batman. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were having a conversation before we started the podcast, and, and I was quite concerned at the beginning when Batman, when Ben Affleck was was cast as Batman. I think with all the scrutiny that Batman vs Superman got, if you put that aside, I think Ben Affleck as the age in the persona of an aged Batman and uh, a twisted Bruce Wayne, I really liked how he portrayed that character. I mean, that, that character is fundamentally broken um, uh, mentally and in, and in, in every way. And, and we see Alfred who can see the demise of Bruce Wayne, the fact that he's become cruel, the fact that he's turning to methods to, turning to, methods to, to, to kind of fight crime uh, with Superman in the back of his head. He needs... He's fighting his own mortality, really, and I really liked how Bruce, how Ben Affleck portrayed that that character, and I think that was reflected in in some of the fan feedback as well. I think there was a lot of positive feedback around what what Ben Affleck brought brought to the table. On screen, he's the most comic book accurate Batman, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I think it's Bruce Wayne, Sean, as well. Though I think he maybe that was the positive with Affleck is he was able to do both parts. Mm, definitely yeah absolutely and and i remember leading up to uh i think it was around for memory i think six months after the announcement of um of ben affleck being cast as bruce wayne slash batman and i myself my initial getting over my initial disappointment i tried to go back and think about roles that ben affleck had played that i could kind of uh, relate to the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman. And and, and I think that the, the character that he played, I can't remember the name of his character now, but the character he played in The Town, um, I thought The Town was a great film uh, that Ben Affleck made. And he, that character there kind of had two personas within itself. You had the guy that was robbing the banks and was, was doing all the wrong things, but... Um, Behind all that, there was there was a man that was driven by love and was and had fallen in love with someone. And I just thought that there's a there's a dark side and there's a there's a, a, a more of a positive side to, to to that character. And I wrote an article on Dark Knight News about drawing parallels between playing Batman versus Super, play, playing Batman and Bruce Wayne, and then the character he played in the town. and And that was kind of how I rested on on that and came to peace with the fact he was going to play my favorite character. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I, I think he played the character um, fantastic, you know, fantastically. Steve, yeah, we've spoken about the fact that you know there's this whole thing going on at the moment, the rumor mill. Where do you stand on it? Do you think that we are going to be seeing um, Ben Affleck in a full length, not? Suicide Squad, not Flashpoint. Do you think we will see Batman, um, played by Ben Affleck, in a full-length movie dedicated simply to just Batman? See, the sad thing is, even though I'd really love to, because I think he's got so much more to to give that role, and what he's done with it so far has been, I agree with Damien, it's absolutely brilliant. But I, I don't think so. No, I think that because of the backlash of the so-called darkness of man of steel and the the darkness of the batman versus superman and then the sudden 180 spin to the handiness of justice league that um they're gonna almost hit the reset button and wreck on it so sadly as much as i'd like to see ben affleck in the role for at least another movie i don't think it's going to happen now I don't know if it's if it's that I'm I think he will be or I'm hoping, but I don't think it is possible at this point no. for um for Affleck not to be in the next Batman movie. I think that there has to be a uh, a Batman movie with Ben Affleck to see him out because we haven't seen oh, we've so. seen a solo Superman film, we've seen a solo Wonder Woman film. I don't really honestly believe that Batman. Uh, ben Affleck wants to hang up the cow before getting his own full-length feature. I mean, this is a guy who has he has a he has a sliding bookcase panic room in his house, modelled after the the Adam West Batman TV show. I I think we are going to get a full-length Batman film with Ben Affleck, but I think that's going to be it. I think that's going to be his swan song. Yeah, I, I make you right. I hope you're right. The amount of it's also from a business perspective. Can you imagine the amount of scrutiny that the first Batman standalone film in oh, this mate. comic book universe is going to be under if it is, if it brings in a new person as Batman? It's not even going to be. That film's under the microscope before a, a word's been written, I think. It, it already is. Yeah, but if they're able to, to bring Affleck back into it, you've got one thing which you're not under as much pressure with because everyone knows... We've seen him. We've done it. I think, from a business point of view, I think it would be stupid for Warner Brothers to let Affleck go, and then maybe Justice League Two, Flashpoint, whatever it may be, will deal with yeah. the new, the new Batman. But I think too much pressure has been put on. How do we bring this new Batman into the role? I mean, really, it's it's, it's it should just be. This is our new actor. This is he's he's coming into it. I get what you mean by the age thing because now they've what they've set up. He's going to have to be older than Henry Cavill and and um, Guy Godot, and so it is going to make it a little bit, you know, a little bit off. But I can't see from a business point of view how they could actually get away with a standalone film without Affleck. Yeah, I agree. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too because then I'll be able to come back on the podcast and go see. I was right. <laughs> neener, neener, told you so, told you so. <laughs> and for me, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Oh, this, 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 I mean, 
between DC Comics and, and Warner Brothers, I mean Batman Batman's their premium product above everything else. So the amount of the amount of people at that at, at high uh, you know, high at that table, at, at, at that level, at both organisations, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people that will have an opinion on what they do with that product and what they do with that brand. It's a brand within itself. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. But, um, you know, I echo the sentiments of you guys. I'd love to see Ben Affleck in a, in a solo Batman film with Deathstroke as the main villain and the only villain in the film. Oh, yeah, oh, this multi-villain so thing has to go. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Trying to squeeze so many villains in. I mean, that was one of the things that made Man of Steel work, was Man of Steel had Zod. That was the focus of it. Fair enough, it wasn't a perfect film. It was never going to be a perfect film. It was a Zack Snyder film. But it was, you know, it had a focus. (laughs) If you're allowed to bring up Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm allowed to throw my little bit into the pot as well. Whack. Whack for Zack. (laughs) (laughs) um but it's um yeah it's it's something which i want to bring up with you as well uh damien is you just mentioned that batman is dc's premium product now when we were discussing having you on the podcast i don't know if it was deliberate timing or not um i did send your picture through to through to the other Steve and said, I think me and Damien are going to have something which we need to talk about, which was, I don't think, now I'm, me and uh, Steve have met, talked about this before. I absolutely love Batman, adore Batman, but there is a 1% between Batman and Superman for me. And the extra 1% goes to Superman. Uh, Steve is the other way around. His extra 1% goes towards Batman. Now, I took, um, and I'm allowed to say this because it's 2017, 2018, and it's the hot word of, of this uh, generation, I took great offence. I was offended, offended by something that you did <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> that that I you did, did right? I know what, what was that? I do not appreciate this picture that you have online. <laughs> Of big Batman holding up little keyring Superman and it looking like little keyring Superman is frailing his legs and his arms around the place while Lego Batman's got that big grin on his face. Alright. That was that was hilarious. I took I took my <laughs> I saw that picture and just you know, went, it's, it's... this didn't this is not how it would go. <laughs> it's exactly how it would go. Do you know why? Because that damn, that damn Boy Scout, he wouldn't know how to use all his powers if he had a manual in front of him that told him how to do it. Because he's just no. there's too much See, hesitation with that with that alien, that man, whatever you want to whatever you want to call him. <laughs> almost being racist here. No, I love. No, no, I love. <laughs> I, I love Clark Kent. I do. I, I love him. But I took my family to, to uh, a Lego exhibition in Melbourne a couple of weekends ago, and there was a whole 
um, uh, DC Lego uh, booth that was there, and and there was that massive Batman. It was huge, and this little tiny little Superman keyring with Batman holding him up. And I actually I wrote on my Facebook uh, on my Facebook feed exactly what popped in my head at that time. I looked at my daughter and I said, Jasmine, it's exactly how it should be. Exactly how it should be. <laughs> <laughs> See, I am not going to gang up against Stephen here. Not going to do it. You were already you were already coming on the podcast, and I sent that picture through to Stephen. I said, "Oh, there's going to be some discussion." I didn't even, I didn't even <laughs> want to bring it up on Facebook. This was something which we actually had to dis- discuss. Now, alas, I heard. Super, first of all, Batman does not have access to a shrink ray. You would have been you, well with that. You would have been you would have been happy with the scene in Justice League where Superman gets brought back from the dead and he uh, cracks the shit out, <laughs> and he. Almost kills all of the Justice League. I did. You know what? I did. When uh, when he when he held, and this is the thing I loved is is when he held. I, I've gone on record as saying I'm 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 not a huge Zack Snyder fan. That's obvious. But that that um that scene was one of the best comic book moments I've seen on the on the screen. When when he was taking down the entire Justice League, when the Flash was running behind him, and you just saw his head start to turn, and the and the look on the Flash's face. But what I loved was the choice that when when Superman grabbed Batman, he didn't grab him by the neck. He grabbed him by the face, and he had him by the jaw. And then when he spat out the, the line and he just went, tell me, do you bleed? I was just like, yep, yep. We don't need to go any further. The film can end here. Credits can roll. We're done, ladies and gentlemen. I just want a Superman to drop the mic and just walk off stage and and that be it. But I did love that for the rest of the film, when Superman turned up in, in Russia, and we're not going to get into the no, whole I Russian family thing too. again on, on this podcast and their their useless role in that in that film. But when he turned up and he Batman was very nervous around Superman at that point. Like he, when he was like, I don't not not like you and and everything, and I felt that it'd be put straight. Yeah. It's because real Batman realised is not the enemy. And to Damien's point, um, I agree. Always have that that, that Batman's going to win whatever fight he's put into eventually. But I think it's because Superman actually cares. He knows how powerful he is, and he gives the a, a, a toss about humanity, about Batman, about all the rest. And he knows that if he did let loose, if he did stop himself, didn't stop himself. That would be it for everybody. And, and that's the whole point of Batman as well. So if Superman ever did go dark, there had to be a way of, of stopping him, of, of saving everybody else. No, see, I, I disagree with you completely. <laughs> <laughs> completely. You're, I completely you're, disagree. You're wrong. Debate over. <laughs> <laughs> I still... I still believe that every single one of Batman's plans hinges on him knowing that Superman is coming for him. If Superman just suddenly turns... Absolutely, yeah. Then Batman has absolutely no chance. Batman has said that. Batman has said that in the comics, on record. Superman, if he wanted to, could fly up out of the atmosphere, burn through the roof of my cave, and melt me where I stood. Trouble is, Superman's a nice guy, he wouldn't do that. So it's the one point of leverage that Bruce Wayne has over yeah. Clark Kent, knowing that there'd be a form of hesitation there. Yes. But um, in so many different stories that I've read in different comic book arcs, Bruce Wayne or Batman always has a form of kryptonite in his utility belt. He's always got something on him, whether it's a kryptonite ring or something 
But then you can turn around and say, well, Superman is almost as fast as the Flash. Doesn't matter whether he's got kryptonite on him. Superman will find a way. But uh, it's a wonderful debate. It's what makes the DC Universe wonderful. It's what keeps people like us and the fans out there talking, having conversations, and, and, and keeping the banter going. I absolutely love it. I love it. But... Batman would win. End of debate. Lovely diplomatic response, and then just I love that look. I've just been, I've just been Gotham City middle fingered right there. That's what. See, I'm one of those rare people that, even though I, I do agree, and and for me, it's Batman all the way. But I, I actually think, why the f are they fighting? I've always hated that, oh, who would win, this guy or that guy? Who would win, that guy or the other guy? The heroes. Why in God's name are they fighting each other? That's, I don't actually like the whole thing of pitting heroes against heroes. I love the whole thing of heroes coming together to stop the bigger threat. Um, but maybe it's just because I'm old. I don't know. I enjoy I enjoy a disagreement. Like, you know, um, when you have a first meeting between heroes, like, you know, when you've got, like, Wolverine oh, yeah. and, the, and the Hulk, and they've they've never really yeah. met before, so there's, there's going to be a clash there, you know. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I have a very deep-seated, almost OCD need to win this conversation when it, <laughs> when it comes to, to Batman and Superman. Now, I will concede one thing. If Superman was to take out Batman, I believe that there is a contingency in place that um, from the grave, Batman would still be able to like wreak havoc. Yeah, because that's how nasty like, he is. I agree with that, yeah. I, I believe, and I've always believed, that there is, you know, from the grave, the hand of Bruce Wayne will still, will still reach out and take Superman out. Um, but I just, I have a problem with, and I think I mentioned this in one of my reviews for, for, for for Dark Knight New, that was one of the recent Justice League um, comics with um with the children from the future, the legacy, the legacy characters, where yeah. um it is it seems to be increasingly easy in the DC universe to get hold of things like um, red sun radiation, uh, kryptonite, synthetic or or realistic. Um, there seems to be an abundance. Now, how much would it cost? realistically, now I know Batman's got a, a whole heap of money, but how much would it cost to replicate the radiation of a red sun? And where do you even start with it? There must be a cost code for <laughs> villains somewhere. <laughs> or they contract that stuff Lex out. There's anti-hero well. supermarket. Buy one, get one free. If someone takes out Superman, it has to happen to make Superman an, an interesting character. But the fact that, that all of a sudden it's just like, I've got this red sun radiation knife and I'm going to be able to... But it's like, but where did you get that? You're just a, just a common street villain who has been robbing banks and, and so on and so forth. Um, the It's all of these things where these things are just now so readily available. Oh, I agree. Back in the day, when Dan Jurgens was writing it, John Burns era, you had... Um, what's his name? Um... Oh God! What's the guy's called? The guys from Cadmus and stuff. And was it Man, the guy with the? There was a director. There was director Paul something or other. One of them was actually working against Superman and bringing all this alien yeah. tech yeah. to Earth to fight Superman with. So there was a rationale. There was a story. There was a logic behind it. But now, like you say, yeah, every other mugger has got something he can attack Superman with, and that's just ridiculous. 
It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and what that era of Superman did again is, like you said, Superman's got to be taken out to make him more interesting. The all-powerful Superman's what got people bored. When Superman was killed off, when he died, when I still think that's one of the most epic, brilliant Superman stories ever. The funeral for a friend, the world without Superman, and when he returned and the four Supermen. Oh, God, why can't they put as much thought into him now? It's like Damien said, everything's going behind Batman, even though Superman came first. So the big deal they're making with Action Comics 1000, the return of the Red Trunks, people say I'm nostalgic and DC fans should look to the present or the future, forget about the past. I'm sorry, it's 80 years of history behind these characters. You've got to respect it, even if you don't necessarily like it or you're still with it. I, I just think there's a lack of respect for Superman these days. Yeah. Even though I'm more of a Batman. Yeah, and I can, I can feel where that lack of sense, that lack of sense of respect is coming from right now. <laughs> I can I can feel it radiating. <laughs> I was just you know what I was just about to say I was just about to say I I do love the character I I, I do I, and you're right you have to respect that the the eighty years of history behind the character but I think it's got to stem from DC I mean when I when I go back and think about the the seventy fifth the seventy fifth anniversary of Batman. When was that? That was 2015 or 2014, whenever it was. Um, you know, DarkNightNews.com and even DCComicsNews.com, we had so much to write about for 12 months over and above everything else that was happening in the industry because there was just a plethora of events and announcements and celebrations, merchandise organizations creating uh, collectibles. It was an event that went for 12 months. And, I mean, as a, as a Batman lover, I, I, I was just, uh, yeah, I was Absolutely. delirious for 12 months. But, um, I, I, you know, Wonder, Wonder Woman had her 75th um, anniversary, uh, yeah. I think it was last year. Um, you know, Superman's got 80 years. It's got to stem from DC. And, and I certainly don't feel like the celebration was as um, – as big, for lack of a better term, as, as what the Batman celebration was a few years back. Stephen and I have had this conversation with Justice League. The Justice League movie was coming out, and recently the Justice League comics, the Justice League titles have been fair to middling at best, and there was no real effort from DC to, to really up the quality because it, they were so... Blah, and now with Scott Snyder coming in and taking over, and the whole No Justice storyline that's coming up, I'm excited about reading Justice League again. Where it's it's just been by the numbers the last year or so for me. Yeah, yeah. Reviewing Justice League uh, was was very tough during that period because we we had the Microverse and we had the Legacy going on, and the inconsistency was was ridiculous with that title. Now the problem was was that the month that. Um, Ju the Justice League movie came out. The issue of Justice League for that month was the crossover with um, Dark Knight's Metal. It wasn't a, a standalone. Yep. It wasn't like a. They should have done a fantastic eighty-page one-shot. We should have had something that was just a standalone because it's not often. I mean, they they've admitted admitted quite um, readily that um, movies don't tend to tend to pump up comic sales. There's a there's a little bit of a spike. There's a little bit of interest here or there. The problem with with comic books in general nowadays is they are very inaccessible yeah. to people. If you want to if you want to collect comic books, you have to go to a specialty comic book store. Now I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, when the Batman Burton movie came out, 
there was that fantastic Jerry Ordway um, Batman tie. Oh, so beautiful. Now, that was available at every supermarket. That was available at every newsagent, like you just mentioned, Steve. Every corner shop. That was that was everywhere. And there were two different versions of it. There was a soft cover one. Yeah. And there was, uh, which had like a film strip down the side of it. And then there was the the fantastic kind of blue covered one with the Jerry Ordway Batman on the cover. Now, it's it's also like the job of DC and Marvel and all of the comic book companies to get the the excitement back, like you were saying, uh, Damien, with with the anniversaries and stuff, is just to start flooding the market with these with these comic books. When I was a kid, if I, I got into Batman, Batman was one of the first comics. Batman number four fourteen was was the first Batman comic I picked up because it was in a newsagent, and I was bored being in the supermarket with my parents. So I wandered over, and there's a wall full of comic books. Yeah, you know, when did when did comics become so inaccessible to you know five, six, seven year, eight year yep. old kids? Yeah, I, I remember buying comic books myself as a kid um, at the local news agency. My dad ran a pizza restaurant here in Melbourne, and I'd sneak off out of the pizza restaurant and and go to the the, the news agency, you know, a couple of doors down, and buy all my comic books from there. Um, but now, yeah, you, you've got to go to you've got to go to a comic book store, or you've got to go to a specialist store. What comic books were you picking up from from there? Like, what what were you collecting at the time when you? Uh, so at the time, I mean, my, my, my first, if I think back now, my first comic books, um, I mean, being a kid, I was, I, I wasn't drawn to the story. I was always drawn to what was on the cover. If the cover, yep. uh, portrayed some type of controversy with a DC character or, or it looked like a, a DC character was in trouble, I'd gravitate to that for some reason. Um, but, uh, there was detective comics, um, that 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 I used to read um, the action comics I used to read as well, um, and my my dad back in the day um, his favorite character was the Phantom, so I I was uh, I was reading Phantom comics as well. Um, yeah, so but but you you're right. Accessibility uh, is uh, is definitely an issue, um, and even in Melbourne, that there's a subset of of comic book stores, but they're you know they're, they're in the CBD, they're in they're in downtown Melbourne for our US friends that listen to the podcast, and not everyone can go into in you know downtown to a comic book shop to go buy comics. So they 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 need to be more readily available. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's a that's a thing. Is I mean, I don't even know if the if the term spinner racks is something that is even like a, a common phrase anymore. But you know, when when we were kids, yeah, we'd go into the supermarket, and you'd even have like you know um, Uncle Scrooge. You'd have Beetle Bailey. You'd have um, like you just mentioned, Damo, the um, the Phantom comics, uh, right alongside Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and they and they used to have the difference between the they were variants. They were newsstand variants, and they were the comic shop variants as well. Yeah, they were the only variants there was. Nowadays, there's twenty different covers for one king comic. Yeah, and the the main difference was even if they had the same cover, mm-hmm. if you got them from the comic shop, there was no barcode on them. They just had a logo in the barcode area. Yeah. If you got them from a newsagent, they had a barcode on them. Like, so you can, I can actually go through my my old comics now and pull out which ones. See where you bought them. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Um, but I think the they need to start getting back into the hands of kids. They need to start. First of all, the price is ridiculous nowadays. I don't know what oh, you guys are paying, mental. but I'm paying like 
between six fifty and seven fifty a book. What's the Aussie dollar to the pound at the moment? Uh, I think uh, one one Aussie dollar is eighty six pound. Because <laughs> <laughs> an American title here is, I think, about three. Um, but the UK has started to change that. The bigger supermarkets, the bigger supermarkets, the bigger news agent chains, your Menzies, your WH Smiths, are starting to carry what's known as the the DC Collectors Editions, which is American size comic books, but with beautiful glossy card covers, each collecting between three or four issues of the American title. They're about six months to a year behind, but you're starting to see those in news agents. Uh, they're selling quite well because they're bringing out new titles every five or six months. And they are gearing towards the movie market. The Justice League title had pictures from the movie. Uh, e- even the Batman title says special Justice League cover this month. They're actually making more of an effort here than they are in the States. And that that's another thing that worries me is, are the people who are making the comics so distanced or so apart from the, the movies that not working hand in hand, they're not seeing eye to eye, or, or what is it? Because that's a disconnect, and that's affecting the whole shebang. Yeah, but we're not getting the we're not getting the sales that we used to have. Like people talk about the fact that you know, um, Batman seventy five, uh, sorry, Superman seventy five, where he was killed by Doomsday. Like the sales on that that book were incredible. Absolutely. Jim Lee's first issue of X Men was off the charts, you yeah. know, for Marvel. But we've also got to remember that, but back in the day those comics were still also going into newsagents. The yep. common, normal, non-comic book collector could go and pick up an issue of, of Superman 75 mm-hmm. at the local at the local com- uh, local newsagent. Now, it wasn't a bag version with the armband and the newspaper article. It was just that brilliant cover with the Superman cape acting like a flag. Um, and so what is the resistance to getting comic books back into the hands of of young kids because you got to th- you got to think that maybe um we're we're going to be losing a generation right now yeah. as far as as far as comic books goes and yeah. won't that kill the industry well i also think that there's an oversaturation with the movies as well i think marvel have gone too far from one or two films every year every couple of years i mean there was three marvel movies last year alone and looks like there's going to be three or four this year and honestly even though I'm so happy there are comic book movies these days because when I was growing up, it was Hulk and Spider-Man and they were awful. Um, I think there's too much. I'm actually getting sick of... I don't. Know, I didn't bother seeing Thor Ragnarok in the cinema. I don't think I'm really going to bother with Black Panther. I didn't I didn't either. And I, and, and I echo your sentiment. I think... And this is not a Marvel bashing statement, but I think Marvel... Um, oh, no, no, because I love Marvel as much as I love these things. Uh, I, I think they've watered down their own product. Uh, to a certain extent, I, yeah. I don't. I don't genuinely sense the hype pre-release of a Marvel film. Now it, it seems to be the norm for people that they're bringing out these movies. And look, at the box office, they'll they'll make money. But um, I, I, I think it's. I think there's this. You can do too much. There can be too much of a good thing. Uh, I, I think. Uh, absolutely, yeah. and and to that extent as well. I remember going to watch the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and I absolutely love that film. I had so much fun watching that film. Now, in all the films I've watched in the thirty-seven years that I've been on planet Earth, I've only turned off a film or walked out of a film less than two or three times. Now, when I watch Guardians of the Galaxy two, 
I turned that film, I, I brought that film on iTunes. I rented the film on iTunes. After half an hour, 35 minutes, I actually turned it off. I, I thought it was just horrible. I didn't think it. I didn't think it had a story. It was the scenes didn't sync together. I, I just after thirty five minutes, I just turned it off. I was I was so disappointed in that film, um, and I haven't seen a Marvel film since since then actually. So, um, but in saying all that, I am going to go see Black Panther. Yeah, I'm excited for Black Panther. I um I really. Just want to see how that one is going to unfold. It was like um, there's a preview for. I think I saw it with uh, with the Last Jedi. For me, it wasn't the visuals. It wasn't anything like that that got me with Black Panther. It was the soundtrack, and it's got this fantastic funk hip hop style soundtrack going on with it. Um, I just want to go because I want to see how this movie sounds, and it ties into what you were saying with Guardians of the Galaxy, Damien. One of the hi- highlights for me with the first one, was the soundtrack to that film. Every song was legendary on that soundtrack. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they tried to be almost um, too legendary. They were almost kind of like, let's pick some of the most obscure songs to show people how smart we are with music. And that kind of summed up the whole film for me. It was kind of like, look how well we did with the first one. We're going to be so obscure, and we are going to throw in this convoluted plot i'm a sucker for a good soundtrack I tell you that much. oh yeah and it was uh, makes three of us we're all massive soundtrack fans and then i listened to the soundtrack separate from the movie and the soundtrack is brilliant as a standalone cd but they didn't have the same heart that they did with the first one where they went well this this is why this song is going to tie in with this scene and this is it was almost like they just went let's pick the coolest songs we can and just shove them in the film yeah, apart from brandy but then they bashed that around the head as to why oh, that was so, that was so shoehorned that in. was for, yeah that was forced that was the only song that fit with the film and i got the reference without all that exposition they almost went manga on us with the amount of exposition for that one bloody song. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the original um, Suicide Squad trailer where they used Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, and why wasn't that on the album? Exactly. And why that, that whoever put that trailer together... Bloody international licensing laws. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant. And, I mean, I enjoyed Suicide Squad. I thought it was great. The end of it was generic. Um, but up until... Hang on. In the movie, isn't it Queen in Australia then? Because the movie here that hit the theatres, in the film, it's actually Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. But on the album, it's... I forget. It's a, it's a, the cover it's a cover. It's a cover version. Quite a few of the songs. In the film? No, on the album. Oh, yeah. yeah. On the I album. In the movie, the cover it's Queen, right? Yeah. And, uh, yes. But in the film, I'm pretty sure it's the, it's the original version. You probably paid right. that much for the trailer that you could just throw it in the film anyway. But um, yeah. where do you see, Damo, where do you see, um, because we know where, where Marvel's heading. Marvel has got a very clear path laid out leading us to the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, Infinity Stones, whatever it is that they're calling it. Um, do you think that we're, out of one of two things, do you think that we're going to um, start getting more standalone movies? Or do you think that we're going to get DC try and put us on track to an end game the way that we do with with the Avengers stuff that's coming? Well, I think I think I think people want 
people want a cinematic universe. People want individual films that I think lead to a broader story or go down a single path because that's what we've been that's what we've been used to with um, with the Marvel universe since Iron Man came out in two thousand and eight. Everything started with that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Started there and and has evolved ever since. Now DC can continue to. Con- can continue to take the same path and build out this cinematic universe and have films as building blocks that all lead into the story. I would like to see that. I absolutely like to see that. But like I said before, they started a precinct with Batman versus Superman. They've already created, they've created a world and created a backstory with certain characters. They've created a backstory with their single biggest character being Batman. I just think that if you go off and create all these single films, <coughs> it's just very it's very dispersed and some people may not care, but I, I, th- I think the majority wants a cinematic universe with everything leading into one path, one altercation at the end. And for me, that altercation is the justice league and whoever else joins facing off against dark side. That's the next thing I was going to ask you is, is we've got the lead up to the, um, to the infinity stones, the infinity, whatever I, I call it, the infinity gauntlet and new, comic fans correct me any single chance they get which is great because you know the one thing people love in this world is to be corrected it's it's something i'm always a fan of um and uh, but what story does does dc have that we could we could be leading into um that will give us familiar concepts and and so on like the the infinity stones that's the MacGuffin for a fair few of the films even if we don't know that that was the MacGuffin, like, you know, the Cosmic Cube in Captain America, the the Orb in Guardians of the Galaxy. They're able to, to feed them in, in, in an organic way. That's the word, though, Stephen, organic. That's the word we're aiming at, organic. The trouble is it's been forced. Right up until now, it's been forced. One solo movies, a team movie, and then suddenly Justice League, and it was rushed. They need to have three or four standalone films, just like Damien was saying, where they're building this universe up and then pulling the strings, drawing these characters together. And that's what Marvel did brilliantly. And DC just tried to run before they could walk. And that, that's what's killed it. And I don't know if they don't need to just start again from scratch. As to what it could lead to, you've got eight years of history there. So much. Yeah. 80. Eight years. 80 years of comic book history. I thought you said eight years. I thought you you meant with the the DC Universe. Now, how long has the DC Universe been around? Technically, it's Man of Steel as the first film, isn't it? Yes. Yes. So, six years. Yep. The question I have is, Warner Brothers actually have strategically in the back of their minds that they were going to build out a cinematic universe while they were writing the script to Man of Steel? I don't think so. Yeah. Did they? No, no, they did. They did. They said this was the first movie. But then, rather than... It was meant to be Man of Steel 1 and 2. Then it was going to be a Batman film. Then it was going to be a Wonder Woman film. Then it was going to be an Aquaman film. Then it was going to be a... No, we can't wait that long. Marvel are ahead of us. Let's see Batman vs Superman next. Then Justice League. And Justice League, again, two separate movies telling one story. But this is the thing I don't get, where the... Where the, the common phrase that's used is where people say, but Marvel comics are ahead of them. In what way? But th- that's exactly what I was going to ask, Damo. Yes. But I just time. mean... Time. time. Yeah, but they weren't ahead of them in the sense that there was a there was a deadline that DC had to do all this stuff. Exactly. You know, and people are always it's going... It's the money, oh. man. It's the we need it. Yeah, but imagine yeah. how much money a great Batman film would have made. Imagine how much money 
Absolutely. Look at how much money a great Wonder Woman movie made. I mean, Wonder Woman came out and Mm -hmm. knocked it out of the park. You know, and the fact that Justice League is the lowest grossing of the films. Oh, that's me. That would have that would have killed Marvel if that had been Avengers. That would have been like, okay, well, we can't do another Avengers. You know, it would have been a, a, and then they probably still would have been able to go off and 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 do their separate things. But if DC is to move forward, the other thing which I want to ask you, Damo, as a as a self confessed and unapologetic, complete and total Batman fan, um, now I I do feel for you in that regard. Um, <laughs> now it's kind of half rumor, half news. This standalone noir. 1980s based uh, Martin Scorsese Batman film. Oh, the famous Leonardo DiCaprio is the Joker film. Well, yeah, I mean, but that was the biggest. That was that was as much, you know, pie in the sky as Jake Gyllenhaal as Batman. Um, <laughs> you know, no one actually believes that that it can actually happen. Um, like, is is that possibly a direction we can start going in? Can we just start doing like, you know what? This interconnected universe isn't working for us at the moment. As a Batman fan, how would you feel if they turned around and went, "Look, we we're going to announce Batman, Batman Two, Batman Three. They're three movies. They're not going to be interconnected in any way. We're just going to do three Batman films and then maybe come back to the interconnected." Now, see, when you when, when you when you say something like that to me, the first thing that pops into my head is the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Now, I hold those films so close to my heart. If they were to go off and do something like that, I'd say, hmm, okay, well, there's a, there's an idea. But for God's sake, please do not stuff it up because whether they like it or not, if they go off and did two or three Batman stories as solo films interconnected in their own right, people will compare them to the Nolan films because they're broken off from the universe. But as a Batman fan, as a Batman lover, I... I think I would be okay with that, absolutely. But for God's sake, they'd want to get the story right, that's for sure. I mean, really, without the pressure of having to interconnect everything, if you were to go, okay, well, you know what, we'll we'll bring in a, a great writer, we'll bring in, you know, a, a really good director. Like, I love the idea of a Scorsese Batman film. Oh, I like the idea as well, absolutely. I, I'd, I'd love to see it, absolutely. I mean, a, a Batman film in the same kind of vein as The Departed. I'd watch the hell out of that film. It'd be it'd be it'd be very left field, um, and it'd have to be set, I guess, like the Nolan films in in a, in a in more of a realistic manner in a realistic universe. I think, um, but I, I would I would absolutely be an advocate for that. I, I mean, Batman Begins is almost set in that kind of universe anyway. The whole thing with uh, Scarecrow was just a technological fight. It wasn't space science or lasers and ray guns and nonsense it was a guy who basically messed with people's minds and falcone and the and the gangsters and that side of batman fascinates me as well i mean look at the long halloween look at uh dark victory look at batman year one street level crime that's the side of batman i don't think we see enough of batman as a detective ah that could be beautiful well that, that 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 gets back to the core of the character doesn't it a detective solving crimes facing off against goons and regular regular people in Gotham City that are trying to do the wrong thing. And I don't care what anyone says. I will look anyone in the eye and tell them that Batman Begins is one of the best origin films that I've ever seen. Not origin superhero films, just one of the best origin films I've ever seen. Fact. So Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
and that, that obviously set the precedent for, for, for the other two. But um, I think you're right. If they getting back to the core of the character and Bruce Wayne as a detective is something that everyone would love to see. And we haven't seen anywhere near enough of. Uh, I think we can all agree that um, Batman Begins, like you, like you said, Damien, is, is one of the best origin movies around. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, so, yes. So you can go back and you can redo Batman's origin. I don't know if I want to see it again. I mean, we're, we're getting in Spider-Man territory there. You know, how many times before Uncle Ben have to die? Before... <laughs> well, no, we don't have to see his parents dying in the alley ever again, but we do need to see him travelling the world, him learning his martial arts skills, his working with Henri Ducard and becoming a detective, his learning to use the gun he hates just so he knows how he can fight against it without using it himself, how he learns to use a sword. All of that stuff. But for me, going back to the origin of that poor little boy watching his parents being murdered in front of him, uh, I think when I get back to the – when I think of uh, – it, it sounds harsh, but how, how demented Bruce Wayne has become to, to dedicate his life to being what he thinks is right and becoming that symbol, I would love to see more of a graphic, brutal story story showing us what happens to his parents in that alleyway because when i think about that not that we'll, we enjoy seeing that type of thing on film we don't but for me seeing through the lens of a little boy looking at what happens to his parents and the psychological effect it has on that on on that little kid for him to make a promise to himself that he's going to walk down a different path for the rest of his life i think I think that needs to be unraveled a little bit more. It makes such a valid point, and the way the audience is as well. I mean, looking back last year, we had Logan, as dark, as violent, but a brilliant, brilliant film. And Deadpool's gone into the R-rated territory. The psychology of the violence, the, the fact showing it as to how it would affect a child would make you have a deeper understanding of Batman. So if they go down that route and make a R-rated not gratuitous violence but a reality of violence film that that could be incredible i think so yeah and you don't even need the the violence to be what makes a batman film an r-rated film you could just have adult themes in the in the movie i mean my my ultimate batman film is really simple very basic and easy to pitch i want it to start when the sun goes down with a murder and I want it to finish when the sun comes up with the murder being solved. Oh, that would be But awesome. I want it to be one... I just want one night in Gotham, as Batman has to put the pieces together of this that, murder. A... And there's no deadline on this. There's no timeline on it as far as... Except for the one that he puts on himself. Great concept. Because he knows he's got he's got the one night to get this done. Because if he doesn't, the guy's going to slip town. Or he's, and it's not even... Strike again. It doesn't even have to be... Um, like a public figure or anything like that, because I think one of the things that is missing with Batman on film is every single person is important to him. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're the smallest person who runs a, you know, a little hot dog stand in the middle of Gotham City, or if you're someone who he knows personally. I just want a nobody yeah. to be murdered, and for us to see how Batman takes that on board and the drive that he puts to himself. That I have to get this done. I have to, and then. The sun goes down, and you know the next day when the sun comes back up again, uh, when the sun goes back down again, sorry, 
he's going to be doing that exact same thing the next night. You need to see the never-ending battle, as they refer to it, with Superman and, and comic books. You need to see that every single night is a grind for this guy, but every single night he puts that costume back on, and every single night he goes out there and does his job. And that's the sacrifice that he makes, isn't it? I love that. Yeah, but everything we see with Batman films is big, it's overblown, it's Joker level, it's Bane level, it's it's you know, it's all of these kind of things, you know. Parademon level is now what we've gotten to with with Justice League. Doomsday level with Batman versus Superman. Let's just see the grind that this guy puts himself through. And like you just said, Damien, the sacrifice that he makes every single night when he goes out there and every single thing matters to him. We've had this conversation before, haven't we, Stephen? That in the comics, suspension of disbelief is a lot easier when you see Batman in a space or alien type situation. In the films, I felt he was almost at a place in the Justice League films where Batman works is like in the Nolan movies, like in the first Burton movie, like in um, still the best Batman movie ever, Mask of the Phantasm. Why can't they just do Batman Year One or, like you said, a standalone street crime Batman in his element? movie that that would be a thing of absolute beauty yeah i just i just want a one night in gotham that's all i want just a, yeah, a one night in gotham. and that and that be it and he's just trying to solve this one crime and the things that he has to go through the people he has to that's a scorsese down. movie right there absolutely well, i think absolutely i think that's what i'd like to see from him i don't need to see the joker you know one quick mm-hmm. visit to to jim gordon's office you know, to try and get some information or to pass some information on to Gordon. You know, a couple of back and forths to the to uh, to Alfred. You know, um, no Robin, no Joker, no nothing like that. Just a basic. This poor girl's been murdered. I have to figure out who did it. And at the end of the day, you know what? The murder wasn't a great spectacle. It was just you know, wrong place, wrong time. Batman solves it. On to the next thing. Bigger isn't always better. Less is more. The old tropes are old because they're absolutely. true. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets back to some of the origins in, in the original comic books that were created in the, in the 40s where Batman's fighting the goons uh, in the city. Um, go back to where it all began. All right. Well, just finishing off, Damo, is there a particular Batman story that you would like to see brought into the, the DC Cinematic Universe? Oh, God. There's this... There's, there's... So many good books that I've read over the last uh, over the last six seven years in particular, the one that comes to mind, which is a mainstream story, uh, I think, Death in the Family, um, and it's been touched on where we see Robin, you know, we see Robin kidnapped and murdered by by the Joker, and, and the and, and again the psychological effect that it has on Batman not being able to save him. Um, I think that story would would be a great opportunity for a film. Um, but that, yeah, that's the first one that comes to mind. The other one, which you could say was probably source material for Batman versus Superman, but, um, the Dark Knight Returns, uh, Frank Miller's famous story. I think there's so much behind, behind that film. Um, you could take parts of that and, and create a, a solo film in that regard. Um, there's another one as well. Um, I've I've got my comic books in front of me here on my iPad. I'm going back through it because for the life of me, I can't remember the name. Um, it was a host. It was 50, 50 books that were written in two thousand and fourteen. Um, Batman Exter- uh, Batman Eternal, 
Yep. So I don't know. Oh. So Batman. That's a left field. Batman Eternal was an amazing story. Over 2014, 2015, it had everything everything in it. And DC... Insanity, magic, darkness, hush, villains, street level. It was like every aspect of Batman thrown on its head into one massive 52 issue. Absolutely. And we open up with with Bruce Wayne tied tied up to the bat signal with his cowl off. And I'm looking at the image now. He's sued off and... He's bleeding, and the opening words are, I've taken everything from you piece by piece, and then you just get drawn in immediately. And 52 books later, I, I just I couldn't put that story down. Um, well, that could be a great film. Catwoman running street-level crime, being a crime lord, it was bonkers, really good stuff. Yeah. That, is a, that is a fantastic choice. That really is, and it's not one which I've heard brought up before. I think that, that if we look back, that has to go down as one of the, the most underrated modern Batman stories because the visuals in that book alone. Oh, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, nice choice. Yeah. Well, we won't be having you back again upstaging me like that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? It's a great time. You gotta invite me back. You need two Aussies on the podcast, truly. <laughs> yeah, I don't absolutely. know. Maybe, maybe if you can maybe if you can do a retraction or an apology for that for that photo that I saw on Facebook. <laughs> I tell you what, without even realizing you you were deliberately targeting me, (laughs) even though you didn't know it. But it's 2018, and I'm allowed to feel that way. I actually sense a sorry, not sorry moment coming on. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) All right. So, with that, I think that's where we're going to have to wrap it up. Damo, can you tell people, apart from darknightnews.com, where they can find your your writings is there anywhere on the intro web that people might be able to find you or, or check out what you what you're up to yeah look i, I mean a lot of my uh, i've done a lot of lot of interviews with with writers with actors with um tv show stars um a lot of my work uh, is split across darknightnews.com and dccomicsnews.com so um go to either of those websites and click on the exclusive interviews link um, and and there you'll find uh, some of my coverage from San Diego Comic-Con over the last three years, uh, interviews with the cast from The Flash, Lucifer, uh, Arrow, um, and some of our, our, our artists uh, and our writers at DC, at DC Comics. So please go to our sites and have a look at some of that content. We, we pride ourselves on our brand and, and the content that we produce. So... Um, uh, I'm sure that you'll. If every fan will find some, will find something for themselves there. And um, you can also find both Dark Knight News and DC Comics News on Twitter and on Facebook. Really easy to find. All you have to do is just go onto the Twitter or the Facebook and uh, and just search for either of those terms. Mr. J Ray, where can people find you out on the intraweb? Once again, there's a few articles where you'll find me on DC Comics News interviewing some of the cast of Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. And of course, uh, my number one home, my home away from home, my Batcave, if you will, Dark Knight News, you'll see a lot more of the same. Literally everything Batman related, news, reviews, interviews, it's darknightnews.com to be a number one port of call. I also run my own little website called Fantastic Universes. And on Twitter, I am L-E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. 
And you can find me on the Twitter uh, at the Detention Pod. That is the Twitter account for my other podcast, which is the Saturday Detention Podcast, where we have just put up a uh, episode where we argue which is the better sequel, Superman Two or Batman Returns. Ooh, um, listening hard. to this podcast, I'm sure there's no secret as far as what my opinion <laughs> may actually be. There, Damien, you're more than welcome to have a listen to that episode and then come back to me on Facebook. Um, that is where I do most of my damage. Um, I don't really um, uh, have anywhere else to be on the on the intraweb, except you can find me uh, every single week on darknightnews.com. Uh, I'm one of the reporters there, and I do do reviews as well. So um, you've been listening to the Dark Knight News podcast, and we would very much like to thank Damien uh, being here. It's been a lot of fun having you here, buddy. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, guys, and um, I'd love to join again. And uh, we will consider it. Um, <laughs> okay. Start by removing that, that offensive picture from Facebook, and we'll, we'll see how we go. So, as always, Mr. J. Ray, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, and it's, uh, it's farewell from me. And it's a good night from then. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel.